Welcome back to the punt return. It has been a little while since our last episode due to a number of reasons, family, baby's health, uh, Ryan's leg being broken in multiple places. Um, but uh, Christmas, New Year's, all these sorts of things have, have had an impact as it tends to do over the Australian summer. But we are back. We're looking forward to the playoffs and a massive final run to the Super Bowl. Uh, mate, firstly, how are you? How's everything at home? How's the leg? How's the baby? How is it? How's life? <laughs> Good, mate. How are you? Um, I'm definitely, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I've been on the mend for a while. Um, leg's good. Um, little one was uh, in hospital for a while, so that's why we've probably postponed the pot a couple of times. And yeah, obviously Christmas and New Year's gets in the way as well. So yeah, it's been a busy period and thankfully the little one's at home with us again now for the last week. So things are looking up, so improving there. And yeah, it was a, a big week 18, mate, and um, yeah, plenty of fallout to come from it. We've had six firings, I think it is now, or coaches, coach changes at least uh, at the moment. So plenty of turnover coming in the off-season, and then, of course, um, yeah, the playoffs are set, and it's it seems to be a really exciting one with a pretty open um, wildcard weekend where I think, you know, a lot of the underdogs, are, uh, you know, have a big chance to win as well. Yeah, well, before we before we get into week eighteen and and what the uh, the playoffs look like, uh, I did want to mention that the last time we spoke, uh, our two teams were at different ends of the spectrum. My Eagles were <laughs> were ten and five or or nine and five or something something like that at that point, and the Bills were five and six, six and six at at one point, um, and, and really struggling. I think you were pretty you were pretty sure that the the Bills weren't going to make the playoffs this year. Um, our two teams are still at opposite ends of the spectrum. We've both made the playoffs, but coming into the postseason in very, very different form lines. Um, mate, what happened? What happened in Buffalo to turn things around? It's a great question. I, I don't think it all falls on the you know Ken Dorsey's shoulders and gone. You know, since he's been gone, the offense has completely changed. But I think <laughs> there's obviously been an improvement. Um, and I think it, it comes down to the run game. James Cook's been incredible. He had some some monster games, uh, especially against the Cowboys, where it was just um, a complete domination. But in, in other games, he has been quiet, like he was against Miami. That was purely Josh Allen putting his team on the back in 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 the week in the season finale. I know he had a, a few costly turnovers, but he got he got the job done with um, you know sheer sheer will and and of course um, a pretty stout defense that turned things on in the in the second half. Mm. But look, um, our team's played an incredible matchup um, on either Sunday night or Monday night football. I can't remember exactly. It was one of the primetime games. It was kind but, of a turning point, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it was, a, it was a fantastic game, won in overtime by you guys. And um, since then, it's been free fall for the Eagles and, and five straight wins mm. for the Bills. So as you said, things have flipped on their head. Um, the Eagles all of a sudden have dropped to the five seed and the Bills are in the, at the two seed. So it's... Um, it's been an incredible turnaround, and and you know they're not the only team that's fallen, fallen victim to a, a bad five or six weeks. But um, and then yeah, obviously the Bills are the ones that have come in probably the red hot, red hot form outside of the, of course the Ravens. So yeah, it promises to be a, a really exciting playoff series, and um, yeah, very very lucky that um, they've snuck in. I certainly gave up on them, um, especially after that Broncos loss, and. Um, but yeah, to, to come home with that with that really tough schedule and, and win out, um, very impressive, and um, gives themselves every opportunity to keep them, you know, in the Super Bowl conversation now. So, absolutely, yeah, I think there there are a lot of a lot of chances. I, I think there's a couple of kind of gimmies this week, like like you just mentioned. But there's some good matchups, I think, in in terms of you know where the game's at and and the right teams playing 
the right matchups uh, and, and you know where they deserve to be. I think um, before we get into that, obviously we'll, we'll take a look back at at the final week and and where things sit at the moment. Um, we might have a quick look at, at where we thought things might be at this point in, uh, in the preseason, which is probably not a great idea. There, there's there's a little bit of green in our uh, in our spreadsheet, but there's uh, there's a bit more red. Certainly more. Uh, red. And then we'll we'll get stuck into the 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 season stat leaders and and the playoff rankings. Uh, we haven't done it obviously for a little mm. while, so there's there's some some movers in these in these rankings, and then we'll get stuck into into wildcard sure. week. But mate, I guess if we do a, a quick run through the division winners. Mate, it's, it's ugly, isn't it? It's ugly looking back at these these predictions. The <laughs> AFC North and South, we were both uh, even. Uh, we had the Bengals and the Jags, and, and we got them both wrong. Although, I think we both thought up until nearly the last minute that the Jags were still were still there. But, um, that was that's really ugly for the Jaguars. Yeah, we'll we'll get into a bit of the fallout from that, but that that was a disaster for. For Jacksonville, who were, were spruiking, you know, playoff tickets on their social media account <laughs> only three or four weeks ago, which um, has aged terribly. Awful, for them. awful. On the flip side, in the AFC, the East and the West, we, we were again uh, the same with the Bills and the Chiefs. And sure things, sure Bills. things. Yeah, easy money, wasn't it? Easy money, two dollars yeah. ten. The Bills. Fuck, that's the hardest. Yeah, that's the hardest um, even money you'll get. <laughs> um, that was painful. Uh, as we move into the NFC, you got the uh, the Lions. Uh, did it quite easily end. I, I thought the Vikings would be a bit better than they were, uh, even though I said that there was some regression you know, regression coming for the Vikes. I think they are. Uh, well, they lost their quarterback, and you know, did they were they were getting red hot once um, you know Kirk was heating up and before he went down with that Achilles injury. So um, you know, they obviously lost Jefferson mm-hmm. as well. So disappointing season for the Vikings to finish where they did, but a lot of injuries curtailed their, their season. And, you know, after a slow start, 0-3, they they quickly looked like, you know, genuine playoff contenders, if not, you know, NFC contenders. They they, they looked red hot under Kirk Cousins at, at that one point there in the middle of the season before he went down. So don't know if they would have caught the Lions, but it certainly would have made things interesting, especially the fact that they played each other twice in the last three weeks. So happy to get that one right. But... Um, yeah, it, w- it would have been a much closer fight in the NFC North for sure. In the, in the South, we both had the Saints in what turned out to be the worst division in football, and by, and by quite a way. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely didn't see the Bucks winning. That was a, a, it was such an impressive season by Baker no. Mayfield and the Bucks. Um, well, the, their second half was was underrated, I think, um, especially over the last they started six well weeks. Too. They, remember, they were three yeah. zero or something when they came in to, to play you guys. On that primetime game, and mm. you, you thumped them, and um, and kind of gave them the reality check. But they finished hot, didn't they? And, and the Saints were just too inconsistent. I mean, we saw what they can do on their best. Yeah. I know they were only playing a pretty ordinary Falcons team, but they put up thirty-one points or in the last in the second half to nothing, and they looked mm. really good on offense um, a lot of yeah. the time during the season. But then they just were so bad on in other games, and you know their defense was solid all year, but. It was theirs for the taking. We spoke about you know the talent they've got on that on that roster. Yeah, compared to the young teams in the NFC South, um, yeah, it was a, it was a really bad loss for the Saints. And not to even make the playoffs is um, a disaster for Dennis Allen, who I don't know if he keeps his job. He might be another one to go under the um, microscope over the off season. But yeah, that was a disappointment for Saints um, to not come, you know even get a postseason berth. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean that 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 seat must be getting warmer and warmer, but. Uh, he... He might have 
might have one more preseason in him. Mm. Uh, but it's yeah, it's looking at, at emergency time, I think, in, in New Orleans. Speaking of emergency time, the Philadelphia Eagles, we both had the Eagles winning the <laughs> NFC East and uh halfway through the but season 10 and it looked one. like it looked like it was a done deal. It was as done a deal as anybody. Um, the two games up in the division, and uh, it was just one of the all-time. Oh, I mean, yeah. Luckily, they 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 sewed up their their playoff spot early. But um, if it hadn't been for that, it would have been would have been panic stations. Uh, an all-time collapse. Other than that, but uh, the Dallas Cowboys pulled it out. Yeah, look, I think the Cowboys not as inconsistent as they've been, but obviously a perfect record at home this year, which is which is ultra impressive. And then. Um, you know they they still lost games against better opponents I suppose but I suppose their saving grace was they got hot on offense at the at the right time of the year didn't they I mean CD Lamb had an incredible and and Dak Prescott mm-hmm. for that matter had an incredible finish to the season CD Lamb had I think he had nine straight games or he's on nine straight games of a receipt on for receiving touchdown which is just unheard of for a, for a wide receiver but yeah look the Eagles collapse is 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 the talking point I think of the NFC East and from the best record in football at Ten and one to completely collapse, like you said. Um, worrying signs, and yeah, there's it's certainly no no gimme going into Tampa this week. So, hundred percent. I hope you boys can turn it around and and pull it out. But um, yeah, there's something something that stinks in Philly at the moment. Uh, the Niners obviously walked in in the West uh, as we expected they would. Uh, wildcard teams, I think in in general, I think based on kind of the script, I think we were okay. Obviously, the Jets. Kind of their season ended in week one. Yeah, first drive. Yeah. Broncos clearly didn't deliver, especially early in the season, didn't deliver on on promise and, and expectation. Uh, we both had the Ravens in the playoffs, albeit in, they finished bad too. They like did, that, yeah. that looked like they were going to kind of you know turn things around, and then it just kind of fell away again for the Broncos. So um, obviously another massive season off season for them. Yeah, with, with, well, um, you expect the cutting st- or still, benching still or some major changes in, in Denver as well. So. Mm. Yeah, we might have a quick look at that a little bit later on, if not at the end of the season. But um, the Ravens, ultimately, we had as wildcard uh, wild team. But, uh, I mean, they were they were phenomenal, especially in the second half of the season. They were, they were good in the first half, and they were incredible in the second half down the stretch. Um, yeah, look, they're going to be hard to beat, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And, look, they the losses that they had early in the season, they were, they were bad losses where they, you know, they snatched... Um, snatched defeat from the jaws of victory where, you know, um, that loss against the Steelers early on, I can't remember who else they lost to, but it was another lowly ranked team. I think it might have been even the Colts um, early in the season where they lost to the Colts. Mm. Really surprising loss. And But, you know, Lamar and, and the Ravens have been lights out um, since, yeah, midway through the season. And look, they've had their own injury problems with, you know, um, um, Gus, uh, sorry, J.K. Dobbins went down, you know, a long time ago now. But you know, if you forget, he he went down right at the start yeah. of the season. You've lost Mark Andrews, you've lost um, now Kate and Mitchell. You've you've had you know injuries on defense as well. But you know that 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 defensive group is probably what's carried them. And then obviously um, Lamar's been pretty good. I mean, he's he's probably the MVP elect, isn't he? Mm. But he ranks outside so many categories. You know, he hasn't. He's yeah. not in the top ten for passing touchdowns. He's not in the um, in the conversation for, um, uh, I can't remember what else the other key stat was, but anyway, it, it's certainly not a. If you looked at his stats, you wouldn't go, "Oh, he's an MVP shoe in," but it, it really looks that way with the way that Baltimore 
has kind of you know dominated the AFC in the end. And well, he's, yeah, he's I think we always underrate team record, we, isn't he? Yeah, we always underrate the Ravens, and they're always you know they're such well drilled and well coached team, mm. and um, yeah, they're they're going to be hard to beat. And um, I know I'm really annoyed that I picked the Chargers <laughs> to sneak into the playoffs <laughs> again this year, and what a disaster it was for the yeah. Chargers this year. But um, only way up is uh, only way up now that uh, that Brandon Staley's gone. But um, <laughs> there's again, there's going to be a lot of changes in in um, LA as well. There, I've seen some whispers that they might be interested in uh, BB Bill Belichick. So mm. that could be an interesting move. But we, yeah, we might we'll talk about that, where he went, yeah. what that looks like a little bit later on. Uh, out of the NFC, because uh, obviously I didn't have them as division winners, Dallas and Detroit uh, got up for me. I had Seattle as well. They were. All right at points. Yeah, that was stiff to miss. That was stiff to miss. I mean, they only missed out on a tiebreaker, didn't they? They came they had the same record mm. as the Packers. Like they were, they were thereabouts again. They just snuck into the seven seed last year. They've just missed out on the seven seed this year. So they're one of those big league teams. Where they should be, which is annoying for their fans because obviously last year was such a surprise because they were expected to be nowhere. Um, but they have this awesome draft capital, and they they certainly. But they didn't improve on last year, which is probably disappointing for the mm. Seahawks, you know, after what we saw last year. Um, you would have well, thought... Gino didn't take that next step. No, he probably, if anything, regressed a little bit this year. Yeah. I know he had a, it was a bit banged up, but, you know, you added two really good rookies on the offensive side, and then you added a stud on, on defense with Witherspoon. They had a really mm. good draft class. And, yeah, it's probably... They probably underperformed if you if you go back and think and about it And the trade mid-season as well. Mm, mm. To get yeah for sure to get Lawrence. So look, I um, yeah, I think that's probably a bit of an underwhelming season for the Seahawks in the end. Once you kind of pick it apart like that, and then um, who did I have? Cowboys, of course. My G man didn't deliver <laughs> this year. That was a stupid pick. Let's no, be honest. That was a really your, stupid your, pick. But uh, I did get my bottle of whiskey. Everyone, for those who have been following was, this tale, I was about to say you, <laughs> you you flopped on the Giants this season, but you still got your whiskey out of last season. Finally, oh, mate. this week, and it was worth the wait. By the way, listeners, um, I got a very, um, I suppose I don't know if it's rare, but it's a bloody cool bottle. It's from the, um, from Philly. It's a Bird Gang. It's a Nick special, distilled in Pennsylvania. It's a, it's a. I can't wait to drink it with him. And yeah, very, very excited to be handed that over during the week. So. Thank you, mate, for that. We're still, we're still, we're still holding out hope for a Bills Eagles. Yeah, Super that'll Bowl. be getting still, a run if still we can, theoretically possible. Exactly. Well, that was my <laughs> that was my preseason prediction. We 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 might get to that. It was. But, um, and then yeah, my other team were the Vikings, who, um, yeah, disappointed like we like we mentioned as well. So, yeah, pretty pretty rough result for all of, for for all concerned there. <laughs> Yeah, look, it, it was tough. It was tough. We, I think we might skip maybe the um, the player awards. We can talk about that maybe in Super Bowl yep. week and see where things are, see where things are sitting and, and have a look back at, at that point. Uh, playoffs, we might do the same. Some of the futures bets, um, the Colts probably overperformed where I thought they'd be. I had them under six. Yeah, no, they they certainly uh, surprised myself as well. Um, I I thought they were better than I thought they were better than expected, especially defensively. Well, the fact that um, they really. You know, if not for a drop on fourth and one, could have easily been going in as AFC South champions, which yeah. is um, something they haven't done for quite a while, actually. Looking back now, you realise the Colts, they've made the playoffs a few times in between, but they haven't been division winners for a little while. And, um, yeah, that was that was um, a surprise for sure. And, you know, um, mm. yeah. 
Um, the Broncos similar. I thought. I thought with uh, Sean Payton coming in, that that would be a big improvers. Obviously, what did they start the season? Zero five, zero six. Something ridiculous. They were uh, they were shot. Something like that, and and they were their over under was eight and a half. I think they ended up on eight. Yep. Maybe it was yeah, seven. Yeah, stiff there. Um, no, they got eight wins. Yeah. You just whiffed on on the Vikings and the and the Jags as well at eight and a half and nine and a half. Just missed out. The Jags by is a just the each, one of so. the all time worst beats you could have. Um, it's a killer. Isn't sitting it? at eight and three and the number one seed in the AFC to to not only miss the playoffs but not to cover um, that win line as well is pretty devastating. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, like we said, the Vikings were kind of crippled with injuries. We both had the Niners yeah. to win over ten and a half, which they shut in. Which um, they, they, they did shit in in the end, but I'll tell you what, it, when they lost three in a row, I was a little bit mm. concerned for them. I, I did think that they would write the ship, but um, didn't think that they'd go again back on this run that they've had. At, Cause they, it just followed the same pattern as last year, the, the Niners. They had that unbelievable start, a little bit of a, a slump, and then a, a hot finish. But yeah, Dallas, obviously, over nine and a half wins, good pick by you, Arizona under, which just snuck in. They, they obviously in. were the giant killers at the end. Mm. <laughs> they almost pinched... Um, that last win on against the Seahawks as well. Yeah, just in the, in the final week. But yeah, Detroit as well was an co- easy cover for myself. But the the big the big shock for me was that after putting up seasons of three wins, three wins, and four wins, uh, the Houston Texans under six and a half with a rookie quarterback, a rookie head coach. Oh, surely they're going under. <laughs> They've hit double figures and won the division. What a what a story for the Texans. And you know they're they're such an awesome team to watch. They're actually really cool and I'm, I'm you know there'll be a lot of t- people's favorite team going into the playoffs just you know that underdog kind of mentality so they're cool they're they're fun aren't they they're fun to watch i mean that that led by cj stroud and obviously uh <clears throat> um you know new head coach who's kind of built his team in his own image coming from that san francisco defense um like they're just they're super fun to watch and, and i think that they've got yeah, they might have a decade of domination of that division coming up, um, the way that things are, things mm. are going. Obviously, you know, you, you don't know what's going to happen with a couple of those other franchises. But, um, yeah, really, really fun times in Houston. And, and I'm really intrigued to see what they do in this first week of the playoffs, just to see how they turn up. Um, you know, they don't, they don't have to do much in the postseason. I think their season's already been a positive. Um, now yeah. it's going to be great for those young, young guys to get a, a taste of what it means to, to be playing pro-season football. Um, but, yeah, really impressive. Really impressive. And, you know, you, you hope... They've certainly overachieved, but you hope that, um, you know, at, at 10 wins this season, you know, even if they go into next season and, and, and go nine wins, it's not necessarily a regression, even if it, even if it does all, end up that no. way and, and it looks that way on, on paper. Uh, because they could... You know, they could do some really good things and still only end up on, on nine wins next season. Um, but, uh, yeah, really fun times in, in Houston moving forward. Yeah. Some of the player props that, that I looked at early in the season were, were disappointing. Uh, Nick Chubb obviously had his season devastated with that uh, that leg injury early in the year. Um, Jamar Chase, I think, had his season derailed by his own injury issues and, and obviously Joe Burrow. Um, mm. We had a couple of couple of season long props on as well that uh, obviously failed. Bijan Robinson was crueled by his head coach, who's now gone. Thankfully, <laughs> um, I think for for anyone who's played Falcons players in fantasy or player props and and whatever, you'd be thankful that um, that they've moved on from their head coach. 
but the one saving grace in, in that regard was Chris Olave in New Orleans. His uh, over-under line for reception is 74.5. I think he hit 86, 87. So that, that saved me a little bit. And then TJ Watt, most sacks at $9. Um, I did think that he'd hit 20, but he just fell short at 19, um, led the league in, in sacks. So that was a bit of a saving grace at 9 bucks. Uh, which I'm very, very thankful for, uh, even though he won't win Defensive Player of the Year um, at 8.25, which was, uh, which was my bet, as it has been for the last four years, I think, on this podcast. Um, he won't win that, but nine, nine bucks for most sacks is a, is a bit of a saving grace for mine. Uh, I'm very thankful for, for my man, TJ Watt. Just wish that he played for a better team in Pennsylvania, <laughs> that's all. Well said. That just about wraps it up for our, our preseason um, predictions and where things are at right now. Where do you want to go? Do you want to go into the the stat leaders, or you want to go into kind of the fallout from uh, from the final week? Um, no, go with your stat leaders because um, it kind of ties in with those those um, those over and unders and stuff. So we'll, we'll go there before we we talk about the a lot of um, you know fallout to come of at a week eighteen. Sure. Well, I mean, I think as as we spoke about for most of the season, Tua in Miami led the passing yards. Uh, he had a couple of weeks where he wasn't the uh, the in-season leader, uh, but but pulled it out at the end. Jared Goff, I think, is probably a surprising number two uh, in Detroit. And, and what a resurrection of his career he's had in the last two years since since going to Detroit. Uh, obviously, there's there's some narratives coming into, into wildcard week with Goff uh, playing the Rams and Stafford playing the Lions, obviously. Uh, Dak Prescott came third in, in that market as well. Receiving yards, Tyreek Hill shut that in. Although C.D. Lamb caught up uh, no, caught amazingly up. Yeah, through that, that second right half streak that, yeah. that you mentioned. Um, we did think, you know, halfway, even three quarters of the way through the season that Tyreek had hit, hit 2,000 quite easily. Um, didn't didn't get there in the end. Uh, probably needed a couple of extra games at, at his pace. And I'm on Ra St. Brown, an, another fantastic year in Detroit again. Uh, Christian McCaffrey absolutely shut in the rushing yards. Uh, with nearly 1,500. Ooh, Derek Henry got second. Derek Henry second. And the, the amazing thing is Kyron Williams in LA to come mm. in third, having missed, what did he miss, nearly a month of football with injury? He was on IR, so he missed at least four weeks. He missed four weeks. Um, didn't start the season as the starter either. So no, it's, that's, that's a phenomenal, a phenomenal effort from Kyron Williams. And one of the things that killed me towards the end of our fantasy season is that I traded him to you. <laughs> Uh, which was an awful trade in hindsight, looking back for, for my fantasy season. Uh, TJ Watt, as I mentioned, led the sacks. Uh, Trey Hendrickson and Josh Allen uh, equal second with 17.5 behind TJ with 19. Bobby Wagner, a bit of a surprise tackle leader. I'm not sure he was anywhere close in the in the first half of the season, but um, yeah, romped home with a, a fantastic second half of the season. Zaya Franklin led for most of probably the first eight or nine weeks, I reckon. Um, and then Singleton in, in Denver, another good year. Deron Bland, as we know, I don't think anyone's going to catch him with nine interceptions. Uh, what he end with five pick sixes, six pick sixes by the end of the season? Something ridiculous. But, um, had a phenomenal year yeah, in the, in the Dallas a, secondary. Yeah, six or seven. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Geno Stone and, uh, and Jesse Bates the third uh, round out those top threes. But um, yeah, the fallout from, from week 18... Um, Let's start with the Texans and the Jags. Uh, we've already talked about what a remarkable achievement it, it, it was for Houston and mm. the Jacksonville Jaguars implosion. But, I mean, talk us through those final couple of weeks 
uh, for Houston and Jacksonville? Well, Houston kind of had a good run home, and I, I kind of mentioned I thought they would sneak in, but they did obviously have. We even talked about them winning out. That's true, as but well. look, obviously they had a cut, an issue with CJ Stroud missing two games there, so they had Case Keenum come in, and um, I know he won one of those games, but there was a game against the Browns, funnily enough, who they obviously go in against this week. They were completely blown off the park. Mm-hmm. Amari Cooper slashed him. He had 265 yards. He outgained the Texans team himself in that game. Um, the score scoreline kind of was made a bit more respectable in the last quarter with some junk time touchdowns. But that was a complete domination from the Browns. Obviously, I don't see that kind of happening with CJ Stroud back in the um, back in the driver's seat this week. But mm. they still do have key some key injuries on offense. Um, you know, Noah Brown didn't play on the weekend. Robert Woods didn't play on the weekend. Of course, Tank Dell's out for the season. So. He only had Nico Collins essentially to throw through and as well as Dalton Schultz. But I think the writing was on the wall straight away. 75-yard touchdown, first player scrimmage for, for the Texans in that winning in game. Like mm. For a rookie to just come in, road game, to do that sets the tone, doesn't it? And and look, they he was near perfect, honestly, does, against yeah. the Colts. But the fact that... There are a couple of games. There are a couple of games in that stretch that CJ yeah. just pulled it out and was... Essentially perfect. Yeah, well, the thing was, the Colts stayed in the game just because of their run. You know, the run game with Jonathan Taylor completely dominated and they had all the possession, time of possession. So as good as Stroud was on offense, his defense couldn't get, couldn't get off the field to give him the ball back. So, you know, he played a near-perfect game, but the, they almost still did lose the Texans. But look, they, they are, they're a huge chance to potentially win a playoff game this week. And um, yeah, it's been a phenomenal season, uh, as we touched on, and... On the other end, the Jags implosion, like, they they completely bottled it. Um, they went into the seat, oh, sorry, they went into Monday night game against the Cincinnati Bengals, if you remember that, without Joe Burrow. It was mm-hmm. at home. It was the first Monday night game in Jacksonville in, I can't remember how long, it was a shitload of time. Um, they were finally back on the big stage, 8-3. and three. If they won that game and went to 9-3, and three, they would have been the number one seed in the AFC. They ended up losing that game in overtime to a a guy called Jake Browning who was making his first career start. And look, that was that was a disaster for them to lose that game and really it kind of unraveled from there. They they were beaten in a close game by the Browns um, after that. Then they had a they had a I suppose they had a toughish draw. They then lost to the Ravens, then lost to the Bucks in a complete disgraceful game for them and then they shut out the Panthers, which isn't hard to do. They didn't score a point in their last two weeks, the Panthers, if you can believe that. Mm. Um and you go, okay, it's destiny's in their own hands still. They just need to beat the Titans um, this week, who were facing Ryan Tannehill, who's been a disgrace all year. Um, but they just let, you know, Trevor Lawrence again was, was just underperformed, and I think that's been the issue for the Jags. I mean, their defense has been, you know, solid to great this year. Trevor Lawrence has just turned into a turnover machine. Like, he he pretty much has the exact same... I was looking at it earlier. His stats um, year on year are almost identical except one major stat. And you, I'm, I can guarantee you can tell me what it is. Turnover, interceptions. Me? He, he <laughs> threw triple the interceptions he did last year. But his completions, his completion percentage, his yards... Almost identical to last year, but he was he was a complete turnover machine this year. And mm. I know he was banged up a couple of times. He he obviously missed one game, which was his first in his his NFL career since since being the number one draft pick. But the way he was rated coming out of college, the way 
it was all set up for him this year to win that division and win it easily. Um, huge disappointment. And I, I'd be questioning... I certainly wouldn't be going into the off-season going, oh, we need a new repl- we need a new quarterback. But I'd be questioning mm. the, the longevity of him in, in that franchise for the fact that they completely bottled it. And to be honest, I think it's all on Trevor Lawrence. I don't think it was... I don't know if you if you think it was coaching or anything like that to do with it as well, but it was for me. It was it sat squarely on the shoulders of Trevor Lawrence, and I mean they lost Christian Kirk to injury, but they have enough receivers in that team to um, to be successful. And Evan, I was going to say, and just you, quietly, does any Evan Ingram does any of that blame fall on on the receiving core? A little bit, but I mean, like they've still got a guy called Calvin Ridley who um, had a phenomenal year, to, considering he 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 missed the whole season. Evan Ingram had the second most, I think it was the second most ever, catches by a tight end in the season. So he, he just quietly had a phenomenal season. Um, obviously, Christian Kirk missed the last few games, which which hurt, and he was probably, you know, Lawrence's main guy, I suppose. But mm. um, there were a few guys that had really poor seasons. Zay Jones had a disgraceful season. Um, yeah. But, you know, there was enough talent there. Trevor... Trevor um, Travis Etienne was still a gun. Um, I don't know. Parker Washington was pretty much unsighted all year, the rookie. Um, but look, I think it it definitely falls on on Trevor Lawrence's shoulders that they missed the playoffs, and um, you'll have to live with that over the off season. It's going to be tough. Yeah, well, I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because they kind of snuck in the final week last year, mm. um, and then obviously had the had the implosion at the end of this season. A little bit like, I guess. The question is similar to what we were talking about Houston earlier. If yeah, they snuck in last season, they just missed out this season. Is that about where they are, or or sh- like we all expected more? We all expected a step forward from them, but is that just where they are right now? Do they need you know an influx of talent? Do they need something else to 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 get them to take the next step? It's a good question because they they started the season really poorly last year they they finished with a flurry they they got in as you said they won the division um uh, for the first time in a very long time they obviously battled back from 27-0 down against the Chargers and and won that playoff game and then they started the season like a house on fire and they'd gone through this streak of you know winning a lot of football games and i don't know what changed for them for that that to kind of that momentum to lose but mm. i think like i said it falls squarely on the quarterback's shoulders but yeah maybe that it's just a sign of where they're at. They maybe they're a 500 team and not too much better than that. But it was, like I said, I think the division was set up for them to win comfortably. And saying that, I definitely underrated the Texans and, and what Stroud would be able to do there and Domenico Ryan, for that matter. Um, the Colts had a really surprising mm. year as well with Anthony Richardson starting the year really hot. And then Gardner Minshew coming in and doing a fantastic job. And um, yeah. Which he has True, for his whole, you know, his whole and, career, um, And then obviously the Titans, we thought, would be the worst team in that division, and they, they were, but they were still, you know, they're still under Mike Rabel. You know you, what you're going to get. You know you're going to get a great defense. Mm. Um, they were the best defense in the in the red zone all season. Um, and that obviously was the um, why they won the game on the weekend was, you know, they stopped them on that fourth and mm. fourth and one or fourth and goal, and, um, and the rest is history. But look, I, yeah. Maybe we're just overrating the the Jags, but I think it was all set up for them. And and maybe you know they, I'm sure that yeah every team would like one more piece. Um, they probably needed some help for ETN, who had a great season, but Tank Bigsby didn't come on like they thought he would. Um, their rookie pick, who they were really high on in the season, and, and probably many 
many people like myself who were, you know, took him in fantasy thinking he was going to be a really good compliment there. Um, mm. But yeah, their defense is good, and and uh, you know, um, maybe they need more from Trayvon Walker, who probably hasn't lived up to expectations yet. But um, yeah, I think again, the, I, I'm I'm blaming I'm blaming Trevor Lawrence for this for this collapse in the, on on the season, and um, I think his stats back that up. I think I think they get another year. The combination of um, Trevor Lawrence and, and Doug Peterson yeah. in, in Jacksonville. I think the worry, the worry, clearly, if you look back in in I guess the last five or six years into into what comparison that looks like is a little bit like the Eagles. And I know that there's no ACL for Trevor Lawrence, but is there that kind of comparison with Carson Wentz and yeah, how how Wentz kind of went through that sixteen season, the 17 season where he was essentially the MVP, if not for the ACL late in the year. Uh, and then the way that he came back, is is it a similar type of career regression that we've seen from Trevor Lawrence or is it just a down year? I mean, I, I, and I think that's why you get another 12 months with, with the two and then you see how things end up kind of at the end of next postseason in Jacksonville uh, because they've, they've shown enough at times that they've been in, inconsistent two years in a row their best is very good, and their worst is woeful. Um, and I think they get one more crack to see if they can if they can get better at that um, and, and see what yeah, happens. Yeah, it, it's exactly right. I don't know if I can buy the regression yet because of you know because he just hasn't had that injury. He's, he's barely missed a game. Like I said, he only missed that one yeah. game. He was banged up definitely, yeah. but um, I can't let him off the hook as easy as um, Big Carson. But yeah, look, I think you're right, and and the key thing for me though is they just don't beat good teams really yet, do they? And and you know they haven't really made a statement with you know they've they've had good wins, but they haven't had those those statement wins. And and that- no, I mean not since yeah, I mean not since the Chargers, right? They haven't had that. They haven't had that defining victory, and which is I think regardless of the end of season result and and not making playoffs, I think that's kind of what we all expected is that they were going to finally kind of put their foot down and, and stamp themselves as, as a competitor. Um, and at halfway, I think we all kind of thought that maybe they're there, but but again, we hadn't seen that big win, that really kind of defining victory where they put the foot down and, and beat someone really, really good who was playing really, really good. Um, and I think we're still waiting to see that out of, out of the Jags. It's a valid point, and I'm just trying to go back and, and see if it was the schedule and, you know, they beat some poor opposition early, but... Um... Yeah, that's maybe it did just a middling team at the moment, and they just need, like you said, that extra weapon or that um, something different to kind of kick into gear to, to to help them take that next step. But um, you know, they did beat the Bills, um, they beat the Steelers this year. Um, so they're they're two playoff teams that they did beat, but that's that's it. Bills weren't playing well. No, they weren't. And the Steelers the, were not good. Steelers are not good. Steelers were not good in that game. I remember. I think that was when. Um, yeah, that was. A, they had their woes on offense for sure. Um, but also, I think didn't I think TJ missed that game as well. I think there was a stretch of three or four weeks that TJ missed. Yeah, as well, yeah. Look, they were look, bad on defense. It's a good. Yeah, yeah. They beat the Texans too, but that was again like mm. so. Um, yeah, interesting. Just reading now that as well. I didn't realize at the time, but they fired their defensive coordinator, which is um, Mike Caldwell, which is um, interesting to me because, like I said, I think the defense probably out of anything could hold their head up 
high. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think defensive. I think you know, Josh Allen's had essentially you know, they... two career years in a row. Mm. Um, I think their their defensive line is pretty good. I mean, maybe the secondary, maybe the secondary. Yeah, could, I look, could use well, a kick up there. No, nah, well, but... they they couldn't stop the run on the weekend against Henry uh, and the Titans. So anyway. I don't know. I'm not sure. I honestly, I don't know what the problem is in in Jacksonville. But I think, like I said, I think I think we'll see the same Jacksonville next year. I think just kind of expecting that they'll be better. Um, but it's a real interesting watch. I think over the next kind of six months as to what happens in in Jacksonville and and some of the changes. I think they will make. I think they will make changes. Um, I'm not sure what those will be yet, but I think they will make changes. I don't think it's a coach. I don't think it's a quarterback. I think that you know, big players are the big players. I think they might bring in more pieces. I think there'll be buyers, not sellers. Um, but it is going to be interesting to see what what happens there. Um, you mentioned Tennessee and and Mike Vrabel and and knowing what to expect out of Mike Vrabel coached franchises. They have moved on from Mike Vrabel, which I think I, I really rate Mike Vrabel as a as a as a coach. I think he's a really really good coach. I think he just got to the end of his his rope in Tennessee. I think it was the right move for the franchise. You reckon? Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think... Um, he's had two losing seasons in a row. Yeah, but he what he did with a pretty under-resourced, under-strength team the years before that to win... Yeah, I, um, I agree, but all the way point, to an AFC Championship yeah. game. He was the number one seed um, in the AFC two years ago. Um, yep. He's done a fantastic job there. And look, Brian Tannehill... Has completely fallen off a cliff after a you know a really strong season and looking like a really good quarterback. Yep. He has completely fallen off, and um, but I think both. I mean, we we both spoke about full that year of Will Levis. We expected that. Yeah, yeah, it, I, I agree with that. But I, I think a full year with Levis uh, and Vrabel still in control might have been interesting to see. But um, and it's interesting to think that you know they obviously rate him, and you know you don't. You don't think about trading a coach, which is what mm. you know. It was they're going to trade him for draft capital or you know you know compensation. So you know you're obviously um, a highly sought after or taught, um, thought of person if you if you're getting thinking mm. about trading. But they they did decide that was probably a bit too complex and um, decided to let him go. But um, the obvious answer or the obvious next landing spot for Rabel is now New England, where he obviously played and yeah. had a really successful 100%. career. And, that's kind of where he might end up. I, I 100% think that's the almost the only option, really. If he's going to stay in the league, that's probably where he ends up, isn't it? I, th- I think he gets a job, but that's it's the best option for him. He gets time to rebuild a franchise you know, in his own image, which is almost the franchise's image anyway. I think there's a lot of similarities. The way that you know he wants to, to build a defense and, and play on defense to what the Pats have done for two decades... Um, I think it's almost perfect, but he's got time to rebuild an entire franchise mm. in the way that he did in, in Tennessee. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. So I hope, you know, he seems like one of the really good guys of, of football. So let's hope he gets another chance. But um, yeah, it seems like it's a bit of a change in the guard in Tennessee. We saw Derek Henry kind of address the crowd after the game, which was super weird, but, mm. you know, good on him. He's had an <laughs> unbelievable career in Tennessee. So um, if he thinks that's his last game and he wanted to send off, give a send off to the fans when... Good luck to him. Is is there anywhere else that might have, I guess, a coaching hot seat or a question mark that you can see Mike Rabel ending up at? I was going to say the only other place might be like the Saints, but I, I think they need like an offensive guy back in, in, in New Orleans. It doesn't really work 
hasn't really worked with with Dennis Allen being that defensive minded kind of guy. So I don't know. Mm. You, you could probably you, you maybe you could see him at the Chargers, but I just don't know if he's got enough pieces there to work with on the defensive side. But maybe he does. I don't know. Maybe that franchise needs a complete overhaul. But no, I think it's yeah. The, the New England Patriots are the obviously mm. complete uh, the the obvious landing There's... spot. But in saying that. Is there a coaching vacancy there, Nick? Yeah, well, that's, that is the question. I, I think there will be. I think there will be. There isn't, obviously, right now as we record this, but I think there will be. Um, there's two others mm. that I think are, are really interesting watches for Mike Ravel, and that is the Atlanta Falcons, in that yeah. Mike Ravel knows how to run an offense with a beast at running back. It almost doesn't matter who's at QB. Uh, and I think one of the issues that fans of the Falcons, but also fans of football in general have had with the Falcons over the last two years, is that they've had guys who coming out of college were expected to be beasts at their position at tight end and now at running back. And for whatever reason, maybe it's in training, maybe it's practice, whatever it is, their head coach has not seen fit to run with those guys in the offense. And it's just mind-boggling from an outsider looking in it's so bizarre because they've traded they've they've drafted each of those guys that you talk about in the top 10 that's right um at, at clear needs for the franchise though as, and as drake well, london right? is the other one that you didn't mention True. There, but drake london's another top 10 yep. pick that they've had on the offense that has barely been used i mean i know that kind of london's there on the field at least playing snaps unlike kyle pitt sometimes so yeah look it's such a bizarre situation would i automatically want and think that Dan Quinn should go back to Atlanta. I don't know if that's going <laughs> I, to... I kind of agree. I kind of agree. I'd, I'd love to see a Dan Quinn offense mm. with those guys there. Like, it'd be cool, but like they don't have Matt Ryan at QB, um, and maybe that's an issue. But but again, like Mike Rabel's had Ryan Tannehill for the last couple of years. So, you know, what could he do with... What, what could he do with... Um, with Desmond Ritter. The other move I'd love to see Atlanta make, Paul Barona, is is if the Bears are going to trade Justin Fields or want to move on from Justin Fields, that's a perfect landing spot for Justin we, Even with Bijan at running back? Yeah, fucking oath. He could be Michael Vick 2.0 but Ooh. and just have lean on Bijan, um, Bijan Robinson. We know we could see what he did. That rapport he had with DJ Moore this year was pretty phenomenal. Um, you know, you put, you give him Drake London, you give him Kyle Pitts. It's pretty nice. Yeah. It's pretty nice. Look, I, but, I don't uh, hate it. I don't like it, but I don't hate it. Um, <laughs> I, I still think, like, at the very... at The, the worst-case scenario in, in Atlanta this season should have been that Bijan Robinson is LeGarrette Blunt at the Patriots, whereas just in that kind of, you know, red zone... As soon as you get into the red zone, you just give him the ball. Two, three drive. yards max yeah. from, the, from, the, from the goal line, and it's just like, mm. it's money. But they didn't even do that. I think, you know, he... he Played most games, although limited snaps, like you said. But he ended up with four touchdowns. Yeah, every time they got into the red zone, Desmond Ritter just hung onto the ball for forever. Bizarre. Never released the bloody thing. Anyway, he, yeah. But the other, so so that's the Falcons. The other one that is a real, I guess, kind of, I guess, coming out of left field is the Carolina Panthers. Only because I think they need, they need a Mike Vrabel. They need a Bill Belichick, yeah, someone who's going to yeah. overhaul the franchise, you know, rebuild a defense, and it's going to be based on hard work and effort and discipline, which is something that, you know, as much as I, I love Frank Reich, you know, clearly there was no discipline in Carolina. 
Um, yeah. And I think that someone like like a Vrabel could be good for a Carolina. I don't think I don't think that they'll go for him, and I'm I'm almost certain that he wouldn't go for them. But I think he'd be good for them. Yeah, I I can see that. I, I kind of agree with that for sure. And and I think yeah, like you said, I think um, he's the perfect character for that franchise to just kind of give him a a kick up the ass and an overhaul that they need, mm. they desperately need. But you know, someone that probably can be a mentor as well for for their young for their yeah. young guys as well. Especially like yeah. Bryce Young, who um, certainly looked pretty lost out there for most of this season, and you know it's it's really disappointing yep. for him, who you know, especially when you compare, you know, a Texans team to the to the Panthers and their trajectory from this year. And and in saying that, I know there's probably better talent on the Texans team, but let's not forget the Panthers won seven games last year. Yep. Um, the Texans won a lot less than that. So the Panthers were, you know, and they've made some really dumb moves. You know, yeah. you know, they've traded away two of the best offensive players in the league this year. And, um, you know, and, and what did they get back for Christian McCaffrey? What did they get back for DJ Moore? But they gave the farm to get a guy like Bryce Young. So, it, yeah, it, it, it does beg a belief um, a little bit with what they've done. But anyway... Yeah, well, I kind of feel like you go back a couple of years in in Houston, and they were the laughing stock of the NFL with the way their, um, you know, management and front office was running the franchise. I mean, the way the Panthers are at the moment is streaks ahead in terms of how much worse they are than the Texans were back then. These guys, like this, is. I mean, it's it's almost historically bad what these guys are doing in the front office and management in in Carolina. It's it's awful. It's 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 hard to watch. Like it's almost it's sad. It's sad. No, and it's going to be a while. Like it's, I don't think it's just next season either. There's there's a couple of years of pain coming for the Panthers, which is um, yeah, it's tough. Um, we've talked about the AFC and and some of those. Teams, there's been challenges, but some of the challenges we kind of mentioned about the Saints and, and the Falcons as well. But the Bucks, the Bucks winning the division, um, is not something that we would have picked six weeks ago. Um, you mentioned earlier that they started strong. I think the the schedule was good to them early. They had a real rough middle of the season, and they finished strong. You know, were they gone three, two, four, one of the last five or something? Um, They've finished strong and they've done everything they needed to do in the last kind of month and a half to win the division. It is the worst division in football. Uh, and they didn't have a lot of challenges to take out that division title, it must be said. But yeah, the Bucks have, have done everything they need to do. Yeah, exactly. And look, I think, um, you know, without overselling it, Baker Mayfield probably needed to be in the conversation for comeback player of the year. Let's he was a he was the Carolina Panthers starting quarterback last year. He um, was traded mid season last year. He he had a complete disaster, and you thought potentially his season was over. I know he had a couple of good games with the Rams at the end of the season, which probably revived him a little bit. But he obviously was still in a quarterback battle over the preseason with Kyle Trask, and all of a sudden he's won that, and he's led the team to the playoffs. Um, and I'm I'm wrapped for him. I, he, I think he actually seems like a genuine, nice guy and, and a good guy. He's, you know, mm. um, I know he's had a lot of expectation. He was pretty brash coming out of college and as the number one pick. But I think he's really matured. He's he's a really humble kind of guy now. I think he knows his flaws and he and he and he knows his strengths. And um, he played to them this year. And he's obviously got 
a guy called Mike Evans, who's a Hall of Famer. He's got a handy receiver in Mike Godwin, uh, Mike Godwin, Chris Godwin, and then of course Rashad White, who was who was awesome. He had a fantastic end of, back end of the season, and that defense has been brilliant all year, all year. Um, you know, the, their front seven have been fantastic. Their secondary arguably have the best safety in the NFC in Whitfield. So look, they they've had a really strong season, and they're they're a massive massive sniff to beat you guys. <laughs> on Monday night. 100%. Um, I, I can't yeah, believe... Yeah, I know you said it yesterday. ...that they're $2.34. We, you know, we caught up for lunch for everyone listening. We caught up for lunch yesterday. And I, I it's the line is still two and a half, which I've I've played... I've had a little play out uh, for the Bucks, But if that gets out to three points, I'm all over the Bucks in, in that game. Um, I can't believe they're $2.34 against us at home. And they're three and two in the last five and we're one and four. Like it's just it's not like it's not like our our last three weeks, four weeks has been tough. I know we had we had a tough stretch a month ago, but like it's I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I'm all over the bucks in this one. No, look, I, I think they're they're the they're the obvious team that aren't starting favourites that no, they're at home, but they're you know, they're obviously underdogs according to the bookmakers and they're the team for me that are uh, the biggest um, threat of um, upsetting the apple cart this week for sure. But yeah, in- incredible season for the Bucks to win that division, um, and good luck to them. Good luck to them. But yeah, I think the the store the talking point out of the NFC was was certainly the Saints that we've already touched on, and um, and yeah, the Falcons who who finally say goodbye to Arthur Smith, which is um, you know good riddance after three disappointing seasons. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Now. I guess speaking of teams to, you know, fall into the playoffs, the Green Bay Packers, how have they done what they've done this season? They, they're such an enigma. And look, it's incredible effort by the Packers, for one, to get into the playoffs for the fact that they've got such a young team. Their average age, mm. I think, is about around 25, which is the youngest ever to make the playoffs. And Jordan Love... If you look back at his last, I think, six to seven weeks, was he was lights out. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He was phenomenal. And I know we spoke about it at you know at different parts, at different um, intervals during the season. He started the season hot. He had a really, really ordinary month or so. Um, you know, around that week five, six mark, he was he really went from, you know, really looking good to, to someone that looked absolutely awful. He couldn't get the ball out of his hand. Mm. There was it seemed like there was absolutely no chemistry or rapport with his receivers. Then all of a sudden, I don't know what's changed, but I know they got some run game, you know, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones kind of finally got back on the park and opened up the offense potentially a little bit with the run game, but something clicked for Jordan Love and he was throwing some unbelievable balls. His completion percentage amongst the best in the NFL, his quarterback rating amongst the best in the NFL and touchdown to interception ratio um, amongst the best in the NFL, if not the best, certainly for the last um, six to eight weeks. So he, he was phenomenal. And, you know, they're, they're sneaky against the Cowboys as much as I... Uh, just because you can't trust Cowboys in the, in the playoffs at the moment, can you? And, and I know they've been pretty much unbeatable at home, but I'll give the Packers a sniff. If, if Jordan Love can outperform Dak, which I, I can see... Happening, you know, as much as yeah. Dak's been great all season, I, I could see it happening. Um, they're a little bit of a sneaky, but yeah, good on the Packers for getting in. 
it's a good story and, and hopefully they can um, they can make it a tight one against the Cowboys this weekend. It's funny because well I know I know we'll talk about wildcard round a little bit later, but I agree with you in that I coming into I guess the end of week eighteen and, and seeing seeing the Packers kind of clinch that spot and facing the Cowboys, I I thought the Cowboys will romp this home. At at home. Um, you know, they're almost unbeatable at home. But there's there's something about the Packers that is just I don't know. It's like you said, it's something that you know the age. They're so young. They're so they're so talented. Um, you look at that receiving core and and um, Jordan Love at, at QB. Obviously, they've got talent on defense. Um, there's just something about the Packers that makes you wonder: like, could they could they do could they pull off some sort of special run this postseason? And and that starts with with Dallas and. I kind of feel like they've got the ability to pull something out at Cowboy Stadium um, and just, I don't know, upset the apple cart. Like, there's a few upsets. You talk about Tampa Bay and, and the Eagles, and, and that's a clear, clear one. I think the other one is is the Rams and the Lions, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. But but this is one a little bit you know, left of center, which which you talked about, that I think the Packers could potentially upset the Cowboys. I, I don't think they will. But I think they have the ability to, and it, it might be worth a little play at four dollars. Um, th- th- there's something there, so yeah, I kind of I kind of like that. Um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there. The the Lions, um, best season in quite a while. They've lost their young tight end, who is having a, an incredible season. Um, how do you see their postseason playing out? given where, where they've come from. Yeah, oh, f- firstly, phenomenal season for the Lions and, and, you know, stiff not to obviously have beaten the Cowboys. They should have. A couple of weeks ago, they which would have got them a, a number two seed. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But look, that, I kind of can see where Dan Campbell's coming from and, and you know, uh, and certainly knowing knowing him personally, <laughs> but knowing him and watching him over the last few years, like you can understand why he, um, he did what he did and played his starters. But obviously it's bitten them right in the ass and could be very costly although there I did read that he had there was some positive news about Laporta and he's probably more likely to play than not at this stage but he'd be a huge out a huge yep. out and they're the only rookie teammates in history to each score 10 touchdowns in a season which is it's just phenomenal huge so they certainly hit on all their draft picks of late Aiden Hutchinson's been an absolute beast the last couple of weeks and um they're, again, another young team that are doing great things. St. Brown, we know, is an absolute stud. And um, he just needs some help. He just needs some help. And, and at, at this stage, I haven't got that you know, clear number two receiver. Jameson Williams didn't play on the weekend. He was out injured. Who mm. he himself is in again to race against time to, to play. Khalif Raymond's likely going to be injured and miss this week. Um, he was a very, you know, really, really great punt returner, but also a very capable receiver. So... If they miss him, Williams and Laporta, there's some big names to, to be missing against um, an explosive Rams offense who are just looking looking red hot at the moment. They are. They are. The, the Laporta one is, is a really interesting one because I think they've come out and said that it's bone bruising. It was just hyperextension. There's no kind of ligament mm. damage yet. But I think with that type of bone bruising, there is risk of further damage. Um, and so 
whether they think they're yeah. a legitimate chance to compete, you know, in three weeks from now, for example, um, I think is whether they determine that, that he plays or not. I, I kind of feel like he'll play, but maybe at you know, 60 to 70%, yeah, limit the snaps. Might be limited, yeah. Um, yeah. Call plays specific to, to how the defense is lining up, etc. But uh, he'd be a huge loss. And I think Jameson Williamson's almost like that kind of X factor, like they don't need him, but he's almost a bonus because you don't know what you get with him when mm. he's there. He can he can reel off that eighty-five yard touchdown reception out of nowhere, that like one-handed catch down the line, fall into the end zone type thing, hail mary, or he could play eighty snaps and not have a reception. Um, he's almost that that type of guy, but you know, when, when it comes to this pointy end of the season, like that's really important to to have um, for sure. And I think one strength or one kind of um, as good as Kyron Williams has been, the fact Detroit have two really really good running backs is going to help in these kind of playoff games where it's a bit more grinded out, a bit more of a defensive struggle. I don't know. I, I worry about using Kyron Williams on you know every down and um, you know while um, Dan Campbell and the Lions coaching staff can kind of obviously rotate between the two running backs they could probably use Jameson Williams in you know in the in and rounds and use him in the run game as well you can use St. Brown in the same way but um, the Rams are, have one bell cow and that's it um, obviously they've got some pretty good wide receivers to for Matthew Staff to throw to but um, yep. They don't have a, a backup for Kyron Williams, so especially if he goes down early or anything, that that obviously um, could be crucial. But you know, I'm just worried about tiring the the young the young man out. And um, whereas the, the the lines can be a bit more fresh with the with the two um, and use them kind of how they how they yeah. want. No, I I agree with all that. I think you, know, you talk about how the Rams are going to use Kyron Williams. I don't think they really have a choice. Um, I think they have to. They've, mm. they've just they've got to run him yeah. um, and see what happens if, if he doesn't if he can't hack it then like okay but that's a next season issue I, they've got to go back to the well with him next year yeah. but hopefully they can get him right fitness wise and, and he'll be good to go but I think they kind of have to they've got to just throw caution to the wind now um, we know what position that franchise is in and, and maybe we could talk about that uh, towards the end of the show when we look at the, the matchups for wildcard round but we know what position the, the Rams are in from a, a franchise perspective, from a draft perspective, you know they've got to they've got to throw caution in the wind. They've got to get as far as they can this season um, and for the next couple of seasons. So, um, yeah, I think they I think they run with Kyron Williams and and just see what happens. But the last two the last two I guess questions on this uh, run sheet. If you if you haven't noticed by now, we we have a little bit of an agenda, but we don't have a script by any means. There is at Zero point in this show that we know what each other is going to say, um, which I think has been quite apparent this episode. But there's there's two questions, and we kind of touched on it at the top of the show. The Eagles and the Bills, and they're at opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, the Eagles were at 10-1, and one, looked like romping home in the NFC East, let alone the NFC uh, Conference. Uh, the only question mark in the NFC was whether the Niners were going to win out, you know, as we spoke about kind of six weeks ago. Um, and the Bills, who have dominated that division for a, half a decade almost, 
Um, you know, the, the Sean McDermott, Josh Allen um, partnership, which halfway through the season, we were talking about whether they were going to get another year next year. And, and was it the QB that was going to move on? Was it the head coach that was going to move on? Um, didn't look like they were going to be a wildcard team, let alone win the division. They have won their fourth straight AFC East title. What's happened in the last six weeks? <laughs> I'd love to know. Like I said, at the top of the show, I don't think um, you can solely go, oh, Joe Brady, what a mastermind. It's it's all him and, you know, Ken Dorsey, see you later. Thanks for coming, but um, you clearly were the issue. But I, I Yeah, I agree with you. I, don't, I really don't think it's that simple. No, I think, you know, Josh Allen kind of... Um, as much as he did still turn over the football, he was he was pretty bloody good. And um, mm. the run game definitely got better with James Cook. And I think the defense kind of, you know, you know, after a lot of injuries early in the season, they kind of got their act together, especially late in the season in the last couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, a great, you know, huge credit and, and certainly um, um, not what I expected to be AFC East champs again, but... Um, yeah, it's a pretty good um, winning record over the Dolphins at the moment, which is um, very nice. I'm not going to put it all down to this, but I remember we spoke around the trade deadline around an underrated pickup at the deadline that Razul Douglas could have been for the Bills secondary and was exactly the type of player that that Buffalo needed in that secondary. Um and I think that's that's kind of panned out the way that, that we spoke about kind of six or eight weeks ago is that, that Razul Douglas has been perfect for the Bills. And I think he was, I think he might have been fourth in interceptions. Something, he, he was top five, at least in the league, for interceptions. He's had a phenomenal second half of the season. Yeah. And, you know, we spoke about kind of that toughness that he brings, the, the never, never give up. He's not always going to, not always going to get the interception, but he'll always compete. And he's that kind of tough, tough guy in that secondary that you can always rely on. And, and I think that he's been incredible for, for the Bills defense. Um, again, I don't think it's all, all down to that, but um, I think that, you know, as anyone who's listened to this show over the last kind of five or six years knows that the Bills have a good front office. They make smart decisions. Um, and I think that they've continued to do that. The, the first half of the season was really tough as we know, but you know, that's, this is what good franchises do. They turn things around and they make adjustments and they tweak and they fix things. And um, that's what you guys have done. Yeah. Look, it, it's a, it's a phenomenal effort to, to come from where they did um, certainly this year, but um, obviously the job is not finished. And until, until they at least make a, um, a Super Bowl, um, they still probably have under, underachieved. So um they obviously have a chance to do that this season, but they're going to be up against it against a, a very formidable um, Baltimore potentially in the um, AFC title game if we can get that far. Now, I want to ask you about the Eagles because you are an unbiased observer on the Philadelphia Eagles. What's gone wrong? Mate, I, I, I'd love to know, but there's there's obviously that disconnect between Jalen Hurts and, and his receivers, I, I suppose, um, you know, AJ Brown, who was you know tracking Tyree Kill all the way in the first half of the season, has kind of um, been so quiet in the in the second half. I know he's obviously been given a lot of attention from the defenses, but <clears throat> I still don't think it's um, that side of the ball that's been the issue. It's definitely the defense, and you know to be shredded for what over thirty points um, 
or close to it against, um, well, obviously against Arizona last week, against New York this week. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what to make of it, mate. There's just something that's off, isn't there? And there's been a really distinct change with the Eagles. Um, you know, you can see it in the stands. The the fans are getting fed up. They're getting really frustrated. Um, there's just something not quite clicking, obviously, as it was earlier in the season. I don't know if they've been found out from oppositions, but they've had they've turned in some really bad performances. Obviously, the Cowboys had their way with them. The, the Niners absolutely pumped them. I know if they lost confidence from those two games. They they were the two straight after the Bills and um, kind of sent them on the wrong kind yeah. of. They lost that not unlosable game, but you know they they probably dominated that game against the Seahawks. And found a way to lose that. And again, that was just one of those disappointments. Mm. But I can't put my finger on it, mate. But it's obviously, yeah, it's been a it's been a big big shift from 10-1 and 1 to, to go 11-6. and 6. So, um, But yeah, definitely the defense that needs to, to kind of work. Yeah, it's funny. Out. And I remember, I remember, what was it? It was 6-0 and zip or 7-1, seven, seven, whatever it was at the time. And I remember pretty much the entire first half of the season, I remember talking about the fact that the the positive about the Eagles was that they weren't playing well, but they were still winning. And that's what good teams do is that they win when they're not playing well. And it was almost like we had that conversation every week. And then all of a sudden it came to that stretch and uh, they lost to the Jets. The, the Jets, there were some alarm bells, but at that point, you know, you're 10 and 1 and, mm. and whatever. You beat the beat the Dolphins, and that was a bit of a saving grace. Uh, the Dolphins were awful in that game. Uh, beat the Commanders, who probably should have won that game. Beat the Cowboys, who probably should have won that game. Beat the Chiefs, who probably should have won that game. Uh, beat the Bills, who definitely should have won that game. And then it came to that stretch of the Niners-Cowboys, uh, where they just got found out. This got found out by two elite franchises, um, and then yeah, I think you're right that it wasn't losing those two games. It was the next week against Seattle that was probably the the demoralizing point where kind of it was like, well, yeah, we're not, we're just not that good. We're not that good, and then you beat the Giants, and the Giants probably should have won that game too, and they're awful. And you lose the Cardinals, and it's just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then, like you said, got shredded by the Giants in in week eighteen, in which was your opportunity to kind of show that things aren't that bad. You know, they played enough starters that you should be beating the New York Giants. Uh, and we, you know, we spoke six weeks ago, or whenever it was, five or six weeks ago, when when we spoke last, we're talking about how the Eagles regardless of what happens over the next month, shouldn't play any of their starters at MetLife because of the turf and the injuries and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it doesn't matter because you've already, you've already got a playoff spot sewn up. It's, you're talking about the, the one or two seed or, or whatever. Uh, but it, it almost doesn't matter who you play in that game. What, what they served up in the first 20 minutes of that matchup was just awful. It was awful. And there are enough good players that started that game that that shouldn't happen. And there are there are real question marks heading into this into this wildcard week. Um, and I just, I said earlier, I, and I said to you yesterday, I cannot believe 
that the Bucks are two dollar favorite, two dollar forty underdogs in this one. I, I just think, um, like you said, they just did not turn up against the Giants. I mean, to be shredded like that against you know Tyrod Taylor to kind of do that, and like you said, there was a lot of good players on the field. There wasn't like you went out to rest players. You know, you needed to win. You you didn't know what was going to happen in Washington with with Dallas, obviously. So you went out to win that game and and potentially. Mm. Get, hit some form and get, take some momentum into the postseason. And it was an absolute disaster. And if anything, it, 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 it obviously worked out complete opposite. And um, you go in kind of mm. as, as, the, as the worst form team in, in the playoffs, as simple as that. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I hope you guys can, can rebound and, and win. But, um, yeah, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Very, very tough. We might take a quick look at the uh, playoff rankings heading into the postseason. Now, you were gracious enough to do the uh, power rankings for a couple of weeks before our last episode. So I took it upon myself to, to do it myself this week. And, and I'm interested to see how you feel about my rankings heading into the postseason. I obviously left it at 14. Uh, we don't talk about rankings for non-playoff teams, but... I want to ask you, the two one seeds, the Ravens and the Niners, I've got the Ravens one now atop the Niners. You have to after. How do you feel about nah, that? You have to. You have to, especially after how the Ravens kind of completely, you know, put a beat down on the Niners um, only a couple of weeks ago. So, um, yeah, I, I think, um, and then what we saw the Ravens obviously do, the Dolphins as well, I think the Ravens just look completely red hot at the moment and um yeah they're the they're the team to to beat mm-hmm. for sure but you know the Niners aren't too far behind but um and they're obviously a clear number two seed in, in these rankings so um you've got them completely spot on and and I probably can't argue with any of the top five for sure I think obviously Buffalo coming as a formed team um so you, you've popped them ahead of the Cowboys who you know the Bills beat obviously only a couple of weeks ago so that's probably fair enough and then Detroit Lions who um, the only other 12 team, 12 win team, I should say, uh, in the competition. So I reckon that top five is absolutely bang on. I'm interested to know why you've gone with the Dolphins at six ahead of the Chiefs at seven, though. Do you, do you think the Dolphins win this week? I did swap them around a number of times before I sent you the link for this <laughs> for this uh, for this lineup. But I, I honestly, I thought that was a bit controversial having the Bills at three ahead of the Cowboys and Lions, given the win loss records. But you, I mean, we didn't talk about this pre-show, but that's exactly why, is that the Bills come in as the form team. You know, their their stretch, their stretch has been phenomenal, and the Cowboys, as good as they've been across the entire season, I think there's still some question marks about that consistency, and you know, can they can they bring it? Is this bias or not? But they've shown over the last twenty five years that they can't bring it when it matters. No, that's completely um, fair. And so, you know, I think. I think the Bills deserve to be in third spot ahead of the Cowboys. The Lions, coming into the season, I didn't expect to have the Lions at five. I didn't, you know, I wasn't quite sure where they'd be, but I think they deserve to be in in the top five. I think they sneak into that top five given the inconsistency that we've seen from them. Uh, Their their best is very, very good, right up there with the top two or three in the league. But their worst can be not great. and I think that they've, uh, you know, they've shown enough that they deserve to be there. But yeah, the Dolphins and Chiefs, 
Uh, and really, the next couple um, have been have been inconsistent and worrying and all that sort of stuff. And and I just really, you know, you put that Dolphins offense against the Chiefs defense, and yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I just, I'm not sure. I'm not sure on the Chiefs anymore. I've I've been kind of riding them all season, thinking they're going to turn it around with Mahomes and Reed and. Whatever, but Kelsey's Travis Kelsey's not Travis Kelsey. Mahomes hasn't been Pat Mahomes all year. Um, I've just got question marks, and I think if you put Mahomes and Kelsey this season against Tua and Tyreek, I'm going Tua and Tyreek at the moment, and that's really the difference. Uh, the Browns, we talked about the Browns being the one team to beat the the Texans. Uh, they've their last five is four and one. I think the Browns are no easy beats and. Deserved favourites this week. And then the Rams, I think the Rams might be, uh, they might cause some issues for the Lions this week. For sure. I, I, I certainly would have the Browns um, probably slightly behind those two as, as you've got. I probably would have KC just ahead um, based off the last couple of weeks from Miami. But um, completely agree. The, the Kansas City Chiefs aren't the, aren't the team that we know that they've been in the past seasons. But um that defense is still elite for mine, and um, you know they haven't got you know Miami are banged up completely on on defense, and I think Kansas City win and, and win well this week. Um, so, um, but yeah, completely agree with the Browns. I think they they're definitely a top ten, and if not, like you said, number number eight for sure. And then of course um, you've got um, the Rams, who yeah look sneakily good, don't they? They're, they're a huge sniff against um, the Lions this week, as you've already mentioned, and. I'm just surprised that you've put uh, who you have at number 10 ahead of, um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I've said a number of times this episode that I'm shocked that the Bucks are $2.40. I've got them at number 10. They're division winners. They deserve to be division winners. And they're, I don't remember exactly what it is, if it's three and two or four and one over the last five. But uh, whatever it is, they've, they've come in with decent form. And the Eagles are one and four in the last five coming in with awful form, having lost to the Giants and the Cardinals and the Seahawks in the last month. Uh, it's an awful form line for the Eagles. They're playing in Tampa. Uh, maybe that helps the Eagles, I don't know, with the weather in uh, in Florida. But, uh, yeah, look, I'm, I'm not confident at all. That line's at two and a half uh, in favor of the Eagles. And like I said, if that gets to three, I'm all in on the Bucks. Do you feel dirty saying uh, that? A little bit. Because I know the Bucks are awful. <laughs> the Bucks are not. The Bucks are not a good. They're not a good team. Um, you know, they they snuck into the worst to 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 win the division in the worst division in football. Um, yes. And to 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 sit here and say that I'm not confident against the Bucks, where this should be a shoe in. It's it's awful. It's awful. But mm. that's where we're at. Mm. And then to to round out the uh, the playoff teams. The Packers at 12, Texans at 13, the Steelers at 14. How do you feel about that? Yeah, can't argue with those three um, where they are, I'd say. Um, I would certainly have Philly probably ahead of Tampa Bay for mine. But, um, yeah, maybe you being the realist that you are with your own team, <laughs> I think you you might be right. Who knows? But, yeah, I think, like you said, I think that's probably about right. I think um, the reason you have... You could probably have the Texans maybe ahead of the Packers, but um, yeah, the Steelers are unfortunately, or, or fortunately, either way, 
they'll um they're definitely the 14 seed going into the playoffs i think and um hopefully hopefully that's the way it is and it's a comfortable win for buffalo um to ease past the tj wattless um steelers d <laughs> look it's it's gonna be interesting isn't it um now, given we've spoken so much about the state of all of these franchises, we're not going to spend too much time on the matchups uh, because we will do that next week uh, for next week's matchups. But, yes. but for the divisional round, yep. For this week, what I want from you is just a winner. I don't care about points. I don't care about the line. I just want a winner. Cleveland, Houston. Cleveland. Me too. Miami, Kansas City. Uh, KC at home in those conditions um, against that Miami defense. As much as I had the Dolphins ahead of them in the rankings, I've got the Chiefs. You said the I think Dolphins they deserve the to ranks. be ahead of the Chiefs based on the season. I think I think they deserve to be okay, ahead of the Chiefs. Okay, okay. I, I, I still, done, yeah. I, like yeah. I said to you, if I had to pick between those two, Tua and Tyreek or Pat and Kelsey, right now I've got to go Tua and Tyreek. The two teams as a whole, I can't bet against the Chiefs in the playoffs against Miami. I just can't. I can't. Uh, Pittsburgh, Buffalo. That'll be the Bills, sir. Yep, that'll be the Bills. Packers, Dallas. The Dallas will win, I think. But um, yeah, certainly give Packers I, a chance. Yeah, I agree. What's the I'm, line I'm, there? If it's I over a touchdown, win, but... I, I, I think it is about seven and a half. I'd, I'd almost. Um, Almost have a little sneaky on the on the Packers, but I think um, the eight and zero record at home this season for the Cowboys is pretty um, pretty formidable, and you know they should get the job done. Although they do have a history of choking in the big game, so um, and we know what you know these two teams have played some pretty incredible playoff games in in the recent past as well. So, uh, but yeah, Cowboys for mine, they should have enough. They should have enough against a young Packers team. Spot on. Completely agree. I think Dallas wins, but I'll be playing that Packers line uh, because I think it'll be closer than most people think. Rams at Lions. I've been on the Lions all year, so I have to go with the Lions, although I'm shit scared of the Rams, uh, the way they're playing at the moment. So um, it kind of sets up perfectly, doesn't it, for Matthew Stafford to come home and Knock out his former team, which he'll have a you know his his jersey hanging from the rafters one day uh, in, um, yep. which is sad. But um, I think I have to stick with the Lions, and hopefully they can continue this uh, phenomenal season. I just want to quickly bring up. I want you to say the stat you told me about Detroit yesterday. Oh yes, I did. I did look this up, and I don't, <laughs> I don't have exact numbers. And I meant to put this. I meant to talk about it earlier, and I completely forgot. But this is incredible. In where is it? What's the actual number? Uh, the Detroit line. The Detroit lines. The Detroit crime rates in the city of Detroit is the lowest it's been in sixty years, and a lot of people in Detroit, from politicians to police to whatever, are putting that down to the increased performance in Detroit sporting teams, and that starts with the Lions. So. Just quickly, homicides are down 18% year-on-year in Detroit. Uh, Non-fatal shootings have dropped 13% year-on-year. Carjackings have dropped 36% in 12 months. Uh, Historically, it is an incredible year for crime in Detroit, which is one of... It's always one of the 
nation's leaders in in crimes for for an urban center um the detroit lions i think the red wings are performing pretty well as as well um above expectation anyway and well the lions are carrying the pistons at the <laughs> absolutely sure. but hey the pistons <laughs> have won three games in the last two weeks so they're they're you know they broke the record for most losses in, oh, in in a row i know it's not in it's no, it's not in Detroit, but um, Michigan are also national champions. True, so. very true. But you're right; that's not in. It's not in Detroit. <laughs> I mean, Ann Arbor's just outside of Mich- Detroit, but um, either way, it's been a good run for the uh, the Michiganans. It has been. It has been. Just goes to show that uh, crime crime drops statistically uh, on a, a Sunday afternoon in Detroit until they. <laughs> Until they win the Super Bowl, so yeah, they'll be they'll be vaseline the um, the posts in Detroit. That's for sure. Yeah, I've, I've got to go stick with the Lions. Although, yeah, like I said, I think that's the matchup for mine that is most potentially likely to go the other way. In saying that, uh, in the Monday night game, I think I have to tip Tampa Bay and um, agree with you, mate. I think um, this the form lines suggest that it's going to be really hard for the Eagles to overcome, but. I really hope you can, and, and I'll obviously be cheering on the Eagles, but um, I'll tip Tampa Bay as the yeah. Well, I'm, I'm backing off tipping the Packers, although I, I do think that they will, uh, they'll beat the line. I, I'd love them to win. I, th- I think they'll perform better than expected. I think the Rams will beat the Lions. Uh, it's just a feeling in the waters that Matt Stafford turns up uh, ready to play, and uh, yeah, they're good to go. I, I, I think the Rams win in Detroit. And I think you're right. I think the Bucks beat the Eagles at home, uh, well, at home in, in Florida. Um, and obviously the Ravens and the Niners have the week off to reset and get fit and healthy. Uh, any final thoughts? No, mate. That's, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Hopefully it's um, a big weekend of uh, wildcat action. We'll have to do a bracket as well like we did last year, um, which obviously we're kind of doing. Let's do it. Putting our picks in anyway, so um, yeah, might as well get that one going as well. Well, well, let's assume that our bracket starts with these picks, uh, and we'll we'll maybe fill in the rest of the bracket next week, um, and we we'll be honest about whether we won or lost in uh, in the wildcard week. Uh, yep. That's about it. Um, I'm going to find it really hard to end this with my regular ending, but uh, <laughs> do you want to kick us off with the uh, with the ending? Of course. Oh, anyway, good to chat to you, mate. Really good to catch up and um, finally um, chat and fell again. And thanks to the listeners who are patiently um, listening on to us rabble again. So without further ado, it's go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills. <laughs>